if this person who's who you're at a point now where you realize I've done everything I can and if you've tried all the communication strategies and you've tried having the conversations and you've tried being there for them and nothing ever works and it's time to Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Spark. It is so good to be here with you today and with my guest, Chelsea Brooke Cole. You guys, you are gonna love this today. We are talking about boundaries. So let me tell you a little bit about Chelsea. She's a psychotherapist and certified partner trauma therapist specializing in narcissistic abuse and relational trauma. She's the author of If Only I'd Known, How to Outsmart Narcissists, Set Guilt-Free Boundaries, and Create Unshakable Self-Worth. Chelsea speaks at human resources and counseling conferences and national organizations on narcissism in the workplace, how to communicate with difficult people, and effective therapeutic strategies for narcissistic abuse survivors. Chelsea's content provides support to thousands of narcissist abuse survivors each day through her thriving online community. Welcome, Chelsea. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're here. You know, it's a funny thing when we think about uh, how to deal with the people in our lives. That's usually where we all get tripped up. We're all peace and light when we're by <laughs> ourselves and doing nothing, right? But uh, what happens when we mix it up with other people is is a, is really it depends a lot on the other person, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah, and in my work, of course, I'm talking about narcissists and toxic people. So I'm very familiar with helping people navigate how to live with, deal with those kind of people. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I think we're going to get a lot out of this today. Um, so, you know, when we set this topic, we talked about how can empaths and highly sensitive people set better boundaries. Now, most of the people who would be interested in what I have to say are already highly sensitive. Like we're all out here going, I've raised my awareness. Oh golly, look at what's here in my life. What do I do? <laughs> so um, can we talk a little bit about how setting boundaries can really change that relationship with you know your world? So much. And it's, it's something like boundaries is a word we hear kind of like narcissist. It's thrown around, but what does it really mean? Um, I like to describe a boundary as that line that differentiates where I end and you begin. Because if we don't have boundaries, it's really hard to determine what I feel, what I think, how you feel, how you think. And that's what trips a lot of people up, especially if you're dealing with a narcissist or toxic person who fundamentally does not respect you as a sovereign individual because for narcissists their goal is control not connection so with healthy people you may not even think about a boundary it's, it's just inherent in the relationship if you need space if you can't make it to an event if you're just tired and you're, you tell your friend you know what I, I wanted to but I just can't make it out tonight no big deal healthy people understand that Narcissists and toxic people don't. They guilt you. They badger you about it. They criticize you. And so in these relationships, the toxic relationships, we need boundaries the most, but that's often where people struggle setting them the most too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that 
the way you described a narcissist is so succinct and easy to sort of identify, oh, that person does that in my life. Oh, that person usually does that, but sometimes doesn't, you know? So can we just, let's just talk a little bit more about kind of how to recognize uh, beyond what we've just talked about, how do we recognize somebody who's, who's, whose relationship with them makes it very hard to actually have a healthy relationship, right? How do we know who's that person? Well, first of all, you're going to feel it, especially if you're an empath or highly sensitive person. You often know in your body almost immediately who is healthy and who's not. Now, the mind gets in the way of that. The mind will argue with your gut and say, you're not giving them enough chances. You don't know them. Maybe they had a bad day. Who do you think you are judging them? You know you've acted like that sometimes. And so then our mind is what gets in the way of what our gut is immediately telling us. So number one, and this is what I talk about in my book, I have a whole chapter dedicated to warning signs of a toxic relationship or warning signs that you're being abused. Because not that it's ever your responsibility to be able to, like, identify every red flag or be able to identify a narcissist in the room but so many times we do have certain warning signs that are going off in our body cognitive emotional you know behavioral and physiological warning signs and we could talk about those more if you want but just we have the the confusion the gut feeling the the tiredness, the exhaustion after being around certain people, the second guessing yourself, feeling hypervigilant or like you have to walk on eggshells around this person. All of those are signs that you're dealing with a difficult, possibly narcissistic person. Mm, what a great framework to be able to identify those people. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what do we do uh, when we find them? <laughs> we go like, okay, I'm uncomfortable. What's next? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the mistakes I see people making is wanting to start with their most intimate relationships first because those are often the ones that need the boundaries the most. So a lot of people hear this and they're like, oh, yes, I know I need to set boundaries with my sister, my dad, my mom, my partner, you know, my coworker. They're thinking about the their most intimate relationships first and you will get there but you shouldn't start there because if you've struggled with boundaries or if you have a tendency to people please or just find out what people want and give that to them to avoid the conflict or you really feel anxious about dealing with conflict then that's going to be really overwhelming to start with your most intimate relationships first so i really encourage people to take an outside in perspective you know, start with something like telling the waiter if you got the wrong order. Now, I know for some people, even that is like, nope, I'm just leaving. I'm not even coming here. I'm not, I'm just going to eat this and walk away. But just start with something smaller. Start by telling someone, hey, yes, I would love to help. I can't do it this day, but what about this day? Like even offering a, a different suggestion instead of immediately saying yes. Um, is a place that people can start. That's great. Now, when I think about boundaries and the ways that that word has been used uh, throughout, you know, our history, often it feels like when people tell you to have boundaries, it feels like they're saying, say no, 
say no and (laughs) and then figure it out. Right. And so I'd love to kind of talk a little bit more about what do you mean by boundary? The, the way you described it in a few minutes ago, where it's, it's where you and, and I, and right. It's, it's this space that is, is, is fully mine and not enmeshed with the other person. And I felt like that was such a a wonderful way to talk about it in terms of empaths and highly sensitive people, because we've always got our little tentacles out, right? We have our energetic (laughs) receptors out and we're like, Ooh, I see what you're, who you are. And right. So if we're in that position, it's often hard to know where do we end and and where does the other person pick up so could you talk a little bit more about that i expand on this idea even more in my book i have a chapter devoted just to boundaries because it is such an essential part of healing if you've just in general but especially if you've dealt with any kind of trauma or narcissistic abuse and i describe a boundary like a bubble that surrounds you you might have heard of this before in the therapy spaces we often kind of uh, use this metaphor as a boundary is like a bubble we're very familiar with this idea when you think about physical boundaries like you're in my bubble you know we'll say you're in my bubble get out of my bubble like this is my personal space but i think of all boundaries mental emotional um, psychological as a bubble that surrounds us and when you're with toxic people you often feel that your bubble one of two things is either being pushed from the outside, like you feel pressured to agree with this person, to do what they ask, kind of like that walking on eggshells sense, that feeling hypervigilant, because you feel pressured as if I don't do this, they're going to be mad, they're going to be upset, they're going to call me out, something bad is going to happen, even if you don't know exactly what it is, or you feel the need to expand your bubble past what you can really do. You find yourself taking responsibility for things outside of your control, trying to manage or help or save everyone, and you feel like your bubble's so big you're about to burst. So if you're finding yourself either feeling pressured, like you're squeezed in and like you don't have options, or you find that you feel stretched too thin, that is a sign that there's an you know, imbalance in, in your boundaries right now. What a nice way to think about that. So as I, as I take that in and really think about that, how do we know when we are the problem? When the pressure is because we are imagining that somebody is creating that pressure or, right? So you talk a little bit about gaslighting and gaslighting, I, I firmly believe is real, right? But I also firmly believe that sometimes we are having the conversation entirely in our head, right? So how do we how do we know when we have work to do internally beyond the the boundary? Like, okay, I get that this is my, my boundaries are being squeezed, or I, I've taken on too much responsibility. It's not actually mine. Um, how do we go beyond that? Mm-hmm. That's a great question because actually I see a lot of survivors. I end up working with a lot of narcissistic abuse survivors, and they will take things on and in their mind imagine that this has been asked of them expected of them and maybe it hasn't so i will encourage them first to slow down and before you assume that you need to take on that task volunteer for that event show up for that person start asking instead of assuming what ask 
your friend, your family member, what do you need from me? What would be helpful? And then go and see, can I do that? We all have limited time and energy. This is no personal failing. This doesn't mean you don't care about this person. It is an acknowledgement that we all have 24 hours in a day and we all will burn out at some point. So start even just by asking people, what do you need from me? How can I show up for you? Instead of taking all of that on and assuming, because if we don't, then sometimes we can find that we're reaching into someone else's bubble, that we're actually perhaps pushing their boundaries unintentionally because we're taking on something that we think that they need our help with. Maybe they don't. Or maybe they would totally be capable of doing it on their own or finding other supports, but we've just always done it for them. And it's just so convenient and we're just in the habit of it now that they do assume that we're going to take on that task or that job. So even starting to ask those questions, what do you need from me? How can I show up for you? Instead of just automatically reaching in perhaps into someone else's bubble. That is so great. This really brings to mind uh, this idea of, fully present in your relationships to really show up in a way that isn't carrying all your luggage with you <laughs> right um and and whether that's luggage from the day or baggage from your life right the things that happen to us life it, it does it does ding us up right it does it just is it's inherent in being here on the earth good things happen bad things happen but sometimes we're carrying so much baggage that uh that that it's hard to be present really present in the relationship is that something that relates to this topic of boundary setting i think so because i think we all end up carrying so much or assuming that we have to especially if you do resonate with being an empath or a highly sensitive person you often feel so worn down because you're wearing everyone else's emotions as if they're clothes on your back you're carrying all the backpacks and all the weight of what everyone else is going through. So I think sometimes we create more work for ourselves than needed by not recognizing where those boundaries need to be, or again, like where that line is. And oh, another way to think of it is, what can I control? I often encourage clients just to simply ask themselves that. Am I trying to do something that only this other person can really do for themselves. So first question before you even say yes or no to something or yes or no to giving your time and energy to something is can I control that? And if I can control it, then what can I do? That's you being present in your bubble. We can control the, the weather, I guess, if you will, in our own bubble. We can be responsible for our thoughts, our emotions, our opinions, our expectations, what we can do, and we can only show up to the extent that other people let us. And so don't take on something that's really not yours. It's really someone else's. I remember uh, a while back, I had a, a dear friend say to me, I really want to be here in this specific way for you. And I, I remember in that moment thinking, I'm really glad you're here. I really don't want you to show up in that specific way, <laughs> right? And to be able to 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 express, I love you. I want you in my life. I want all of that, but this is not a way in which it serves me. 
Sounds like it's really inside that bubble, right? It's really like one of those things that we can do. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And really great for both of you that she said, I wanna show up for you this way. And you said, I so appreciate that, but that's actually not the way I need you to show up for me. You know, that's an acknowledgement on both ends. Perhaps she's saying, I can show up for you in this way right now. I don't know the context of it, but in a healthy way, we could say, you know, I can show up for you in this way at this time. And is that helpful for you or not? Or if you have the bandwidth, then you can ask this person, how can I be here for you? What would be most helpful for you? How do you, how do you need me right now? Do you just need to call? You, you just need to call me, have someone to talk to? Is there something else I can do for you? Is there some kind of time, energy, financial, some other support that I can give you? What's gonna be most helpful for you? And then you have the option to say, yes, I can do that. Like that's within my bubble or no, that's really not in my bubble. So we have to be able to have these conversations with people and just being curious and asking people the question of, what do you want from me? How can I show up for you? What's gonna be most helpful for you can keep the boundary lines more clear. It mm. also, there's a, such a delicate balance between um, accepting people for who they are, for their trueness, right? They're, they're what they have to give in the world and not allowing that to force you into a strange shape, right? Oh, now your, your space, now I have to be different. Um, so can we talk about that balance? Because I love the idea that verbally we can ask about it, right? We can literally say, if this is what you have to give, right? Let's talk about something that could serve me that is a way in which uh, I, I want to involve you in my life. And if it doesn't serve either one of us, we can keep talking, right? But how do we find that, that delicate balance between I love and accept you and I love and accept me? And this is where we get into it really depends on the person you're talking to. We can have these kind of open conversations with healthy people who fundamentally respect you as a sovereign individual and they respect that you have your own thoughts and feelings and needs and perspectives. If you're dealing with a more difficult or toxic or narcissistic person, then these conversations will be futile. They not only won't help, they can be harmful and detrimental. That's all I tell people, you really have to have two different sets of strategies. One, communication strategy and coping skills for the healthy people in your life, and then one set of communication strategies for the toxic people in your life. So once you recognize that someone is toxic, narcissistic, difficult, is not going to respect your boundary, then these conversations shift to really more internal. You can no longer be open with a toxic or, or narcissistic person and say, hey, here's how I can show up for you. Because what they're going to do is completely guilt trip you for that, criticize you for that. You know, how could you not show up for me like this? How could you, who do you think you are, you know, coming at me like this or um, setting this, this boundary around me? Like narcissists despise boundaries. I even had a narcissist literally say once, she hates it when people say we need a boundary. And if anybody hates boundaries, please run away. Like that, that is a problem. So with the difficult or narcissistic toxic people in your world, then the boundaries are more internal. It's something I talk about in my book called Silent Boundaries. And this is where when you're around these people, you may not even speak 
how you actually feel or what you think or what your perspective is. You may even just have that conversation in your own mind to affirm what you think and how you feel. So, um, you know, let's say a narcissist is saying, you're, there's something seriously wrong with you. Like, you're always, you always have a problem with me. Like, what's going on with you? Or you're crazy. That never happened. I never said that. You don't, you, disengaging is the only communication strategy with a narcissist. So you can sit back and you think to yourself, they did say that. I have those text messages. I know what I felt. I know what I said. I know what happened. That's really important as a way to ungaslight yourself because toxic people will always find a way to try to push your boundary, agree, because all they want is your agreement. They don't want to respect you as a person. And so those silent boundaries are things that you're thinking in your own mind, in your own head of how you do feel, what I do think, you know, what is real. This concept of disengagement, I feel like this is a massive point you have just made. Uh, so, so let's dig in a little bit more. Uh, that, that concept that if I know I'm not going to get anywhere, because <laughs> maybe yeah. I ran this race already <laughs> a few mm-hmm. times, right? Um, that there is a time at which it's important to stop running the race. How do we how do we do that? How do you make that decision between this is someone I love, I care about, and I I want to I want to make the connection. I want them to be able to to show up the way I want them to show up, right? I want them to be able to care and know and respect and all of those things. But I'm at a point in the relationship where I understand. Yeah, realistic expectations is one of the things I talk with my clients a lot about. And it's a grief process. If this person who's, who you're at a point now where you realize I've done everything I can. And if you've tried all the communication strategies and you've tried having the conversations and you've tried being there for them and nothing ever works and it's time to stop and reflect, what if this isn't me? Like, what if I can't fix this because I'm not causing this problem? Because we can't fix problems we're not causing. And you also can't fix a problem that someone else wants to keep. And narcissists are fine with the chaos and the drama and the conflict. And so at that point, once you recognize, okay, I've, I've really done what I can and I've tried everything and nothing seems to be working. So if, what if this isn't me? Then we start to grieve that relationship. Not only what it is, but perhaps what we hoped it could be. We start to invest more in our healing and really look at, okay, if I can't change this, what can I do? For some people, that means starting to make your exit strategy. That means starting to plan, okay, what would life look like if this person wasn't in my world? If that's a family member or a partner or perhaps you're at a toxic workplace and you start making plans to get a job somewhere else. But for a lot of people, for kids, financial reasons, whatever the case may be. It's not necessarily a person that you can or want to maybe cut completely out of your life, but can you put limits on your interactions with them? Can you say, okay, I'm going to call my narcissistic dad, but as soon as he starts criticizing me or berating me or trying to gossip about my siblings, then I'll end the conversation. Or, okay, I'll go to the family event where my, you know, toxic or narcissistic mother-in-law is, but I'm only going to stay for an hour. So I'm going to have my exit strategy. 
It is planning limitations around that person and having mental checkpoints in your mind of the point at which you will walk away from that conversation or simply disengage. Whether that's you stop responding verbally or you just kind of mentally and emotionally check out, that is a boundary in and of itself too. Mm. So I love that as you describe these um, these boundaries really that we're setting, these ways of setting up our lives so that there's structure, so that we have a plan. And we know that there are there is still the possibility that that things can be good and there is also a, a plan for when things are not good. Uh, can we talk a little bit about how, what does that do to your sense of peace, of your sense of less chaos? When you recognize that you're dealing with narcissistic people, you have one of two paths. There's either learned helplessness, where you feel that I can't do anything about this and I just feel more hopeless and helpless and depressed. And we all start there. I think when you first recognize you're dealing um, with a situation that's not going to change or a person that's not going to change, that's depressing. I mean, that's heavy. And so there is a sense of hopelessness and helplessness. But once you recognize that this isn't me, that can also be very liberating because that means it's not my fault and I don't have to take responsibility for it. And so then you can really start to invest more in your healing and, and what's going to help you rather than putting so much of your energy into what the other person wants or needs. You start, like we've talked about, intentionally investing in those limitations and the healthier relationships in your life. Once you recognize the toxic people, you'll probably find that they take 80 to 90% of your time, your mental and emotional energy. They are draining you. So you end up giving the best of yourself to the people who are giving you their worst. And so when you can recognize them, you can start to intentionally pull back, set those limitations, mentally and emotionally disengage, and then reinvest that in healthy relationships. And then what you'll find is you actually come back to life in a way. You have more energy. You feel more hopeful about the future. Even if your situation on the outside hasn't necessarily changed, you're still in the job, you still have your family, you're still married to this person, but your mental and emotional reserves are being chosen more intentionally and you are seeing that you get to decide where you invest those. Hmm. You're really bringing up that uh, in, in for me that this idea that uh, being around toxic people really does a number on your self-worth. And so all of those things you just described are very much a part of the healing process for your self-worth for my my soul my okay right if i am the empath for for me to be okay um and how that takes time right we typically i would think in in your work i know in my work that we don't go from uh something that we don't want to something that we want in like 90 seconds right so so this idea that if you're with someone who is doing this and you you wake up you start boundaries you uh, do this process that you're you're walking us through uh, that it may not be the next day you wake up and find a healthy person in your life, <laughs> right? Yeah, and a lot of times people, once they identify one narcissist in their life, recognize they have many or they have had many. 
And so that can be part of the grief process too, but that's also where healing starts because then you get to see, okay, why do I find myself in these relationships? Am I not setting boundaries where I could? Not that you're ever to blame for how someone else treats you, but again, going back to that question of what can I do in, in this situation? So it's a lot of, of self-reflection that can happen during that time too, the help, that can help for healing. So many incredible points here, Chelsea. Thank you so much for being here. And I'd really like to give you an opportunity to tell everybody, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed talking about this. I don't always get to do a deep dive into boundaries, especially as it relates to empaths. So it was really great. So if anyone is resonating with what we're talking about, I do send out a free bi-monthly newsletter on healing and um, understanding narcissistic abuse. And we talk about things like setting boundaries, how to identify those toxic people, insights, and the practical strategies. So you, I also have a new book coming out like we've touched on, um, If Only I'd Known. And if anybody wants to get that, then you can find all those resources on my website, chelseabrookcole.com. Excellent. And of course, we will have that all linked on every platform that we publish. So uh, thank you so much. This has been really enlightening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I want to remind everybody that there's a free resource uh, on my website as well that is called The Guide to Becoming Unbreakable. So if you find yourself in a position where you are anywhere from frustration all the way into deep anger and revenge, uh, you know, pick it up and take a look at a new framework that you can really apply and say, okay, now it's time for me to be the driver in my life and to uh, find these tools, practical tools that are in that guide to help you get back in balance with yourself. And that's at unbreakable.guide. And of course, on my website at donalyn.blog. Thank you so much. And we will talk next time.